Good Friday afternoon, Neil. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's crazy. So Edward, Edward Marlowe here, and this is the For Those Who Inquired podcast. And yeah. this is Neil Bradley. I just wish something was going on. For us to talk about stuff. Yeah, I do. Oh, is that, is that Eddie Money? No, that's the Gap Band. Somebody dropped a bomb on me. Oh, that's what that is. You dropped a bomb on me. And I think that's from the OBC. Yeah. No, I'm so embarrassed that I even said that was Eddie Money. Eddie we'll, Money. We'll get to that in just a few few minutes, but you're not wrong, man. So we had a few people, a.k.a. like two people, uh, complain that we had not recorded earlier this week, and I yeah. kept warning people, like, hold on, right. hold on, hold on. We got a lot going on this week. You know, if you start at the beginning of the week, uh, Eastern Kentucky accidentally slips that they're headed out of here. Yo! <laughs> Which, I mean, it wasn't a surprise, really, if anybody was paying attention yeah. in the fall, but it was like, oh, they're going to announce this now. Um, and I was like, just hold on. There's a lot of stuff that might happen this week, and sure enough. Oh, hi. How you doing? The guy who let that slip is here. Hey, hey. Hey, man. Yeah, just empty this. It's the dumpsters out back. Yeah, go ahead, Ed. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, you'll find your pink. You'll find your pink slip. No, he, we just else. Had, he's our janitor now because he got canned from up. <laughs> Do you think Eastern Kentucky fired somebody? No, no. Nah, I mean, something slipped. I don't know what happened. Surely somebody put the wrong date. That's it. Yeah. That's why you don't pre-do that because no. that can happen. Yeah. Somebody accidentally put like midnight on Monday yeah. instead of midnight on like Saturday. Just put it on your computer and never upload it to anything with a date just in case that happens yeah and that's that's what happened i think so let's clarify what's happening right now yeah so jacksonville state eastern kentucky and the university of central arkansas a relatively solid football basketball and other you know division one yep. sports program out of the southland are all bound for the atlantic sun that's the big time news that happened to start this week it was uh it was it was revealed <clears throat> accidentally by Eastern Kentucky, of course, one of the three teams that knew it was headed out. Yeah. And now has been confirmed just within the last two to three hours, not only by the Atlantic Sun, but also by the Ohio Valley Conference, and, of course, I'm sure the Southland as well, Yeah, acknowledging that their Bears are headed elsewhere. Um, yeah, so, Neil, it, it means a lot of changes ahead, um, probably for the Southland and probably for the Ohio Valley Conference, quite frankly. Um, the detail here, one year in the WAC, in the Western Athletic Conference for football, Jacksonville State, EKU, and, and UCA, before pursuing an ASUN football, basically football program, because right now they're affiliated with Big South for FCS eligibility. <coughs> right. And then we're talking like Kennesaw State, things like that. That'll happen in 2022. And in the meantime, the real big questions become, what's next for the Ohio Valley Conference? And really, what's next for the A Sun? Do they pursue FBS football? Do they um, inquire for other football-minded colleges to join them in mm -hmm. this pursuit of the FBS? So there's, I don't know, there's still a lot of questions uh, that come with this. I, I think there's a lot of excitement, but I think everybody else is, I mean, I'm seeing a little bit of trepidation on social media because they don't know well, what's this FBS conference going to look like five years from now, and was it worth all this trouble? Yeah, it's a lot of a lot to un uh, really to, a lot to unpack. And luckily for you guys, 
Uh, we're giving away some free bubble wrap later to well, unpack. Well, a little bit later on, yeah, we will uh, we'll address that with another issue. But uh, we, we've had a little bit of experience with this. Uh, Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee, they bolted the OBC for FBS football. That was the sole reason behind them leaving. Absolutely. It worked out for them. Uh, worked out well for them uh, yeah. in terms of uh, money. Uh, you don't see them scrambling for a buck. You don't see either of those schools getting set to come down. Now, probably like everybody, they've had some problems this year or this past year, not the actual year, but the calendar year, dealing with the COVID issues. Everyone's had that. Yeah. But other than that, they've done fine. Uh, increased their athletic budgets, uh, gone to really nice bowl games. Don't know if that'll happen for these schools, but uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, I think they're, you know, you, you can't say, uh, OBC fans, well, that's a stupid move. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens to you. Well, it, it has worked out for at least the last two schools that bolted, but uh, we shall see. The, the OVC basketball landscape, I think, is, is fine. EKU, more often than not, hasn't been really great over the last 20 years. Jeff Newbar had a good stretch. Right now, they're really good. Yeah, right now. I know they're, they're, really in a, they're in a COVID pause. So right now, you're going to get a really good Eastern Kentucky team. And as far as uh, Coach Hamilton is there, that, that may happen for as long as he's there. He's done a really super job. Uh, Jacksonville State, if you have Ray Harper, you're going to compete for championships. Yeah, absolutely. He's that good defensively, can recruit really good players to his programs. So uh, that's that's not an issue. But the OVC still will survive with the 10 teams it has, right. as long as you still have Belmont, you have Murray State, Austin P. need two or three other teams to kind of get better, I think. Where it will really hurt will be football. Uh, you, you take uh, the powerhouse Jacksonville State, the former powerhouse Eastern Kentucky, and uh, that leaves kind of a gap there in terms of your two football programs, two of the elite programs in the league. Uh, but as far as the basketball schedule goes, and, and just looking at sports that I cover, uh, you have a 10-team a ten team league. You can play an 18-game round robin. Uh, you could plug Tennessee Tech into the Eastern Kentucky uh, Moorhead travel partner, so uh, you got uh, Moorhead State and Tennessee Tech, and it works out okay. I think something else, kind of kind of dovetailing a little bit here, and I, again, it's just out of a out of a possibility. I for for those who inquired, quite literally, I wrote a, about a two thousand word blog about this earlier this week. You can find it at uh, edwardmarlow85.wordpress.com, but it's about. Uh, it's where we've got some of the for those who inquired materials that I'm just racking off the top of my brain, and you know I rambled for quite a while about the possibilities of what the OVC would do, uh, what the A Sun would do, and one of the questions that also comes into my mind, if they're serious about no longer needing, and I'm talking about the the A Sun here, if they're serious about no longer needing the Big South to help them become an automatic qualifier. Uh, for FCS playoff eligibility and become an FBS team, they're they're likely going to need another team or two to help join in their efforts. And <clears throat> there's been speculation, and I've heard it out of Clarksville, um, not just here in Murray and people wishing it so or whatever, that, that teams like Austin P and Chattanooga could be next uh, in that conversation to help the A-Sun in their efforts and, and leave their respective conferences. Chattanooga, of course, believes in the SOCON, and then you've got you know Austin P is, is obviously a, a really, really good team in the Ohio Valley Conference. The, the number one thing that I think is worth mentioning is that teams like Jacksonville State, Austin P, and they're an outlier, but Jacksonville State and Eastern Kentucky have increased the spending in their athletic budgets by like $4 million over yeah. the last four to five years, whereas Murray State 
hasn't really spent more. They haven't spent less, but they really haven't jump-started spending over the last four to five years. That's just a fact. You That's can, right. You can find those numbers in the Knight Commission. I don't have any special information. This is public information. These are public universities. This is open to anyone who wants to just Google Knight Commission. You'll find it. And you can check facilities, too. Yeah, um, absolutely. Jackson, start with Jacksonville State. Uh, our, nothing wrong with our football stadium. No. It is old. Yeah, it does have issues. It does need upgrades. There isn't any doubt about that. But go to theirs, go to Murray State's, and there is it's daylight and dark. Yeah. They're ready for FBS. Murray State would not be. Uh, their, their baseball facility, uh, gosh, I, I don't know that there may be some major conference baseball facilities that don't match Jacksonville State's. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Absolutely amazing. So if you haven't seen it, you are really missing something. So they've spent money on the facilities. They took Pete Matthews Coliseum, which was uh, just honestly looked a, a touch above some of our high school facilities in the area. That's not a knock. We have some nice high school facilities in the area. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, Reed, Reed Condor Gymnasium, yeah, really nice. Starters. But that's uh, but it kind of looked like that. You expect more when you're playing big boy basketball. Well, they upgraded that. It doesn't even look like the same place. They've done as much as you could possibly do with that. Uh, granted, it doesn't seat a ton, but it is a really nice facility because they've spent money on it, Ed. Yep. That's, I know that's what you were getting at is uh, money being spent, and uh, uh, those those schools are, are doing that. At Austin P. they've taken that football facility there and done some amazing things to that. Even the Dunn Center with the scoreboard and a few other things, the nice tables, uh, have made some upgrades there, too. Yeah, so again, the, the real facts are that EKU and Jacksonville State are the ones that are going. I, I, Austin P is clearly speculation. That's it, that. That's yeah. all I've heard. I've heard nothing of, concrete on that at all. Not at all, but I'm just stating that if, you know, the Ohio Valley Conference obviously is now probably on its toes wondering what's next. And that's kind of the question that I wanted to get into just very briefly here with you. What does the Ohio Valley Conference do from here? You know, you, Do you have your Murray States and your Belmonts open up overtures elsewhere or do you stand pat here in the league and say no we're going to reshore solidify uh invite teams that want a travel friendly schedule competitive football respectable basketball and a league that's really tight-knit and close or, or do you just say we're calling it quits and that's it and and you, you start piecing and parsing the the parts out i i, I don't yeah. i mean there's a lot of different ways that the ohio valley conference can go i can tell you just within the last 48 hours I think there is some clear indication that the OVC may not stand pat because what you're looking at is sincere exit costs for Jacksonville State and Eastern Kentucky. And when they pay their exit cost, that is flush funding for you to have an open invitation for two or more schools, depending on the you know the entry cost. Mm-hmm. But I'd say two schools. You have two openings, obviously, in, in your hotel now. What do you want to do? Do you just stand pat and leave those two open? Or do you take your exit cost and immediately flip it to pay for someone's entry cost? Yeah. And and who wants to be that entry cost if that's what you're going to do? Again, I, I'm not going to get into speculation just yet. I think we'll have plenty of time for speculation. We know that this year needs to finish. And by this year, I mean like May. And then the summer can be the time where you discuss, well, who's next to join your league. But, I mean, I would have to think, Neil, and again, this is just cautious optimism from me, but I would have to think, especially after the last couple of years of athletics really taking a toll uh, in this COVID situation, 
that the Ohio Valley Conference would be far more inviting than people might think. Just, just, just again, cautious optimism, but that if someone nearby, I'm not going to mention any teams just yet, but there are a couple, two or three, four teams, might take a look at the Ohio Valley Conference and say, oh, your basketball's middle of the pack, legitimately middle of the pack conference, you know, your, your RPI, solid. Uh, oh, and, and now JSU and EKU, we don't have to deal with them in football anymore? Hmm. Oh, you mean you mean that means that means FCS football like playoffs is a possibility? All right, we'll talk. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what that means for the league, but m- maybe you have some insight on on that possibility. I don't know. I mean, there there have been overtures in the past uh, about if there were openings who you could bring in uh, the Missouri Valley, you know, SIU. Uh, there, there you have them. You have Indiana State. Uh, there's Evansville. Uh, I don't know if those are schools that would be interested. Uh, if they if they are interested, especially get to the, any of the Illinois schools, it'd probably be due to cost measures because yeah, of uh, absolutely. problems that they're having from a budgetary standpoint. Uh, from SIU, they they've gone from uh, twenty thousand students down to what they are now, which is a, a big dip. So that that might be something they would consider. Uh, but th- that's one where I don't know that the athletic department per se would be in favor of it. But sometimes the president and the whatever the, their equal of board of regents happens to be at those universities will go, hey, we need to save money, especially with the COVID issues. This might be a way to do that. So I, I have no idea if that's going to happen. I'm sure uh, the OVC does need to get at least one more school uh, to maybe play football, uh, preferably two. You want two football-playing schools, but if they're going to go out and get two new schools, at least one of them, I think, really needs to play football. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that because, you know, you're looking at now, if I've done my math correctly, six teams playing yep. playing football, and that's that's basically the minimum. And you'd like to be just a little, little heavier than that, a little heftier than that. Uh, another team that I know a lot of people have mentioned in the past that, that seems to be you know, kind of a bygone now is, is Northern Kentucky. And they don't have a football program, but in 2011 – uh, you know, they were voted it down. You know, they did not get their, you know, the necessary requirements uh, to become a part of the Ohio Valley Conference. And then they went on to, you know, dominate the Horizon League uh, in basketball. So seven uh, OVC schools. I thought there was seven. Is it, is it seven? Yeah. yeah. Seven. There's, seven is what it would be with these two leaving. You have six opponents. Yeah. But yeah. There's seven okay. schools. So yeah. you count yourself. Yeah. But, but you're at a spot where I think if you drop under six, you don't get an automatic bid anymore. And you it don't. has to be six with continuous playing for so many years as well. Uh, and that that is a looming problem should you lose someone else down the road. Like Austin Peay. And, go. again, I'm not trying to implicate there. anyone. I'm saying that I have specifically heard from sports sources in Clarksville that are matriculating not necessarily even news, but that there have there have been conversations. I mean, you look at the amount of money Austin P has spent in football, what they are fixing to do the Dunn Center. The Dunn's not <laughs> done yet, apparently. They're going to have like more changes coming to the Dunn Center in the next few years. Those are the types of things that tell me, I mean, you're prettying up for the prom. You know, you're, you're prettying yourself up to, to go somewhere else, maybe. And so, you know... I, it's tough. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but I can tell you I don't believe at all that the Ohio Valley Conference is 
sitting by with their hands like sitting on their hands mm-hmm. underneath them I, I just don't i don't see that i i actually think quite the opposite may be happening and we'll know more uh as it unfolds but this is obviously big time information uh for ohio valley conference fans and really for murray state about what the next chapter is for the league because now you're the lone survivor in the original trio Three teams formed the Ohio Valley Conference with other founders, but the three teams that were ahead of it were Western Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, and Murray State. And Murray State is now the lone founder, Roy Stewart, athletic director in 1941 during World War II, was one of the brain children, so to speak, mm-hmm. of this trio. And now Murray State is the lone the lone ranger mm-hmm. um, in the Ohio Valley Conference. So, you know, that has Murray State fans concerned. I think a little bit, but again, if the OVC can shore it up, I'd be hard pressed to leave. Quite frankly, yeah, I, I, and I have no insight as to how that is going to go. To be honest about it, I know right now it's overshadowing. We have a team out on the football field on a daily basis trying to get ready for the February twenty first opener, right? And now the football talk is not going to be about them. It's going to be about the two two schools that are leaving and the future impact. For the 2021 season, although we're playing this in 21, I'm still considering this a 2020 season. Just sure. playing in the spring, yeah, uh, is, is kind of what I'm looking at. But uh, I don't know, Ed. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, should be fun. Uh, it should be, and I don't really know uh, if if the, the OVC's had discussions. And I'm thinking of football playing schools. I don't know. I know Lipscomb and Belmont. They were uh, rumored to be coming in two at two at a time. That didn't happen, but I will give the OVC credit that in the day of social media, and this was not all that long ago, the best-kept secret I've ever seen in the day of social media of any secret was Belmont coming into the OVC. Stunning. We had people in athletic departments across the league that knew nothing about it when the announcement was made that morning. I know of one in particular, a guy goes down the hall and asks his AD about it, and he says, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's how tight lip that one was yeah done with the presidents and then belmont it was it was amazing so can they keep it tight-lipped again i don't know but that was uh i've never seen anything like that usually nowadays somebody's wife somebody's daughter somebody's son somebody's gonna say something to somebody but they didn't that time well and i mean look at just and, and we'll we'll deviate to another subject in just a second but look at what just happened even this morning when pete thamel from yahoo broke that EKU, JSU, you know, and uh, and, and Central Arkansas were going to go ahead and be in the WAC, yeah. you know, in the WAC. So, WAC hadn't announced that yet, but Pete, Pete Thamel from Yahoo had. Right. And, and that's I mean, why they call them scoops, though, Ed. That's, that is, what, well, <laughs> this is why I'm no longer scooping. So, uh, but, I, but I have digressed. Speaking of the Ohio Valley, let's jump into some men's basketball. Or, uh, or before we do... Let's not jump into some men's basketball. I'm talking to Kentucky fans. You guys are out tomorrow. Well, it's technically men's basketball, but just not Murray State. Because of COVID. It's true. 48 hours. 48-hour pause. So you got nothing to do. And I know UK fans are probably making plans to watch the Texas game. And now they have nothing to do. But we have a prize for the first person who will drive out here and pick it up right now. Mm -hmm. And it's a bubble wrap, unpop. You probably, what are it, maybe... 1,500 bubbles here? I'd say there's easily 1,500 bubbles. Yep, they do. I just popped one. Nice. But you can pop the rest of them. That'll take you through at least an hour to get all of them, That'll I think. That'll get you to what halftime yeah. would have been. Yeah, so you can get you some food, pop some bubbles, and bang, 
you are on your way to a big evening. And, uh, you know, you never know. You, Honestly, you got a wife, you got a honey you want to call over. Say, you want to pop some bubbles? Got and some bubble. I'm sure she'll run right over there. Got some bubble wrap for you. Yeah, honestly, probably would have been more exciting to pop that bubble wrap than watch the Kentucky-Texas game, <laughs> it might. if you really think about it. I don't know. I don't know. Texas has really been struggling, and, uh, and Texas lost last time out, right? Yeah, but I mean, <coughs> Texas... And they have player issues, too, in yeah, terms but of... Texas is probably still a top 15 team right now. Yeah, they're good. I mean, Shaka Smart's having a fun, fun year, and Kentucky is having the exact opposite. Now, I did see somebody... There is no evidence that that the, the UK was uh, injected with COVID just to keep from playing together. That is sure. There is no evidence out there on that. Right. I know someone, I saw some smart guy on social media say that that did not, did not happen. That's stupidity out there. Yeah. There's no way that they can prove that, but that they did that. I mean, right. No, they, you don't, you don't just say I have COVID and not play that. That's right. No, I, or do I, you based on the 48 hour pause thing and, and all, all, you know, it's a serious issue. Uh, I haven't heard that one before, so I don't know. It, this must be some sort of a down the line exposure and they're still investigating and I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah. It doesn't appear that the game will be made up at this point, but, uh, uh, it doesn't look as if it'll be majorly serious long-term implications if 48-hour pause means anything. On a side note, I really do enjoy the Big 12 SEC champ- Challenge. That was a nice. Mid-season. Really, yeah. I, it makes me miss, though, and Neil, I'll say it. If I have to say it every podcast, I'll do it. I miss the Bracket Buster. Oh, I do, too. I, I, I miss I got the Bracket to where I, I really liked it. We uh, had some intriguing games, had some great, great travel, great teams come in here. For some memorable contests. Uh, so, more often than not, it was a good experience, actually. The last two that I saw, and I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see this type of thing again, but we got to see, you know, the Jackrabbits with Nate Walters yeah. here, and we got to see Matthew Delavadova with St. Mary mm, here. In, I know. And that St. Mary Murray State game. You know, what a game. What a game. I really wish Delavadova wasn't playing on a bum ankle. Yeah. But other than that, that game was incredible. That One was. of the better atmospheres I've seen in the in the uh, CFSB Center in yeah. in my time watching sports here. Uh, but again, we've 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 dovetailed. But but yeah, big Big Twelve SEC Challenge uh, not happening between Kentucky and Texas. Unfortunate because at least it's yeah. two it's two blue blue chip programs. More know. breaking news. Yeah. In Texas, to me, they are number one in the nation. For doing less with all the money they have. I don't think anyone does less than Texas. Well, My they, gosh. Well, yeah, they have the biggest budget. And I mean in the major sports. Yeah. I know they win it, it's some other things. But I mean, when you take basketball, football, and everything else, you'd think, man, they're just racking up the Final Fours, the national championships. They're no. Not, they're not. They're, they're highly competitive, but they just they, they haven't translated to championships with money that they have in that program. Yeah, and they have the, like I said, they in 2019, according to USA Today in, in public research, uh, they, they had the biggest budget, biggest athletic budget. I believe it was in the quarter billion range. Goodness. I think it's $225 million or something like that. You, I think so. It's just, that's a rough estimate, but you, yeah. Now, you were talk, wanting to talk about other college basketball, I know, before I rudely interrupted you, and I'm very sorry. No, that's that. all right. I, absolutely. Big Blue Nation rudely interrupts all the time. So, <laughs> okay. uh, as far as men's basketball is concerned, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a Murray State men's basketball team that after Thursday night's, I believe, 73-53 to 53 win over Tennessee State is now 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, back to 500, which is good, and four and five in the OVC with Belmont mm-hmm. up next. Uh, first two game winning streak since December 5th. KJ Williams, 26 and 15 against Tennessee State, had a 45 to 25 rebounding edge. 
but you're still seventh in the OVC. Yeah. Yeah, had had some games that got away, mainly due to turnovers, and one of those might have been Belmont. I don't know how they would have done in the second half, but remember they had a they were playing tremendous defensively in the first half in Nashville. Had a stretch of about three or four minutes where uh, they had just shut down Belmont's offense and had multiple opportunities to build on a lead. Turnover, 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 turnover. They ended up going to the dressing room. It was a close game, and then Belmont got things going in the second half. Who's to say if that lead was eight, nine, ten points at the half, it might have been a different story. But uh, turnover issues that have bothered the racers. They had a little spurt of that last night, uh, the Thursday night game. However, they were able to recover against Tennessee State, only that with 13. Uh, but Deontay Bostic looked like he'd solved the problems at point guard. He had some issues early when they brought him back in late in the game. I thought he did really well. It took Juice Hill to settle things down, and Juice was the guy that early on had some turnover issues. So needless to say, that problem hasn't been totally solved, and here we are with Belmont coming in. Uh, I mean, they're, I think they had nine votes in the AP poll this past week. They're 17-1-11-0, one of the top stories in men's college basketball this season. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do want to go back to the other win that happened also while, you know, you and I were away. We, You and I talked last Thursday. Uh, Murray State was able to, you know, they did not win against Jacksonville State. Um, close game. Had a couple of key runs late where pressing defense really created some issues. But then... You know, obviously, you rebound and you play well against Tennessee Tech. You know, which, by the way, I just want to give a, a quick nod to that. I know that Tech has had a tough season this year. I, I know they're what, I believe they're two and sixteen now, mm-hmm. two and two and yeah, with their two wins coming in the Ohio Valley Conference. But they have been competitive in almost every conference game. I, as a matter of fact, I think they've only been blown out once in yeah. ten conference games. They all of their conference games have been two to three possessions. And uh, Tech, Tech Murray State was no different. Uh, difference was Tevin exploded. Yeah. He, he really bounced back and, and shot well from three. Struggled last night against Tennessee State, but he's shooting, you know, 32, 33% in conference play. And now, over that three game stretch before last night, 42% from three range. Looked like Tevin was back and then. Right. Last night didn't look that way. But no turnovers and two more blocks yeah. and was defensive. Oh. I mean, just a. Just yeah. a star defensively. Yeah. He shut down Fitzgerald after they put him on him. I think he made two quick shots, put Tevin on him. That was the end of Fitzgerald on the night. And Fitzgerald went, what, 5 of 16 from the field? I, with, like I mean, he went 10 of 10 from the free throw line. No, that was Freeman, not Fitzgerald. Yeah, okay. So zero, he, not one. So even so even diff, even yeah. better. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's good news. Tevin is the team's best defender. I think Fitzgerald ended up with eight points, and he had four pre-Tevin in about a minute and a half, and then four the rest of the game. But uh, Freeman was a different story. We had no answer for Freeman in the second half. But again, five for sixteen from the field. Yeah. But he did get to the free throw line quite a bit. That was his. That was his big, uh, big key. Right well, there. and I saw the free throw line for both teams. My gosh, they call a foul every what ten seconds last night. They had a few. They had a few. Got but it. I've seen worse, so I'm not going to complain too much about it. <laughs> wasn't a Saturday night in the OVC. No, no, it, it wasn't. So uh, I, you know. It is it is what it is on that, so uh, I'm not too worried about it. We say these things: Murray State being seventh in the OVC, Belmont's eleven and zero, EKU is seven and one, currently on a COVID pause. Moorhead State, after dominating Jacksonville State, has now won eight in a row in conference play. Yeah. They are nine and two in the league, and then Jack State at six and four. The reason the Racers are seventh technically is because SIU Edwardsville is just now ramping up its schedule. They're three and two. And as you've seen, Jeff Goodman and many other 
studious uh, collegiate reporters, they're now noticing the Ohio Valley Conference's schedule, and SIU has literally, like, 15 games over a four-week period. It's an NBA schedule. Yep. In fact, the NBA may be going, we're not playing that. I mean, it's 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 crazy because they have all the COVID to make yeah, up. Yeah, I don't know that they'll get them all made up. I'm not sure if they w- can can have a winning percentage by the end of the season with that schedule. Man, congrats, uh, coach of the year, right there. Honestly, I don't care who, who does what. Casey Alexander, if you run the table, if this guy from SIUE has a winning record with that schedule uh, in the OVC play, he deserves it. Yeah, uh, right now, I, and I mean, if you want to take a and we'll get back to Murray State in just a second here, but like, you want to take a look at Coach of the Year conversation? I might be looking at Preston Spradlin. I know it's early, but Moorhead yeah. State was not selected to finish well this year, and if they stay anywhere close to a nine and two OVC record, you, you would have to think the conversation. And I understand Casey Alexander. He's in the conversation, but if you run the table, you should get it. That's true. I, I, agree. I, I actually don't You're care right. what the rest of the argument is. Run the table, you get it. Okay, I'll allow it. I'm not even going to – I won't even refute it. But you don't really want to come at Murray State fans about being unhappy with Coach of the Year stuff. No, that's also least. true. I mean, Mac, Matt McMahon should yeah. have two in the bag. And, and he has none. He has none. He's never won one. Yeah. not. I don't even think he's even been in really in the consideration I, for it. I don't think so. Which is odd. Yeah. It's really, you know, it's not like the players just went out there and didn't get coached. <laughs> or recruited. <laughs> or recruited, right, exactly. Or, or trained, you yes. know. Or organized and and planned, but or rookie of the year or anything like that. Yeah, so. no, no NBA rookie of the year. No, that that, that has nothing but to anyway, do with the coaching staff. I realize that, right? Yeah. So, okay, um, <laughs> we could have a separate podcast on that whole we could. debacle. But you know, going back to men's basketball, now they face a Belmont team that really is, and I, I know people are already sick and tired of hearing it in the Murray community. But Belmont, I'm sorry, they're darlings right now. When you lose Adam Kunkel. Uh, to transfer to Xavier, uh, he's doing special things for them, and and wish him the best. I, we, you know, he's a good player. Um, kids got to do what kids got to do. That's their business. But you know, you when you lose a 16, 17 point per you know points per game type of guy in the OVC, you fully expect to take a drop off. I, I don't know. Maybe they're better. I mean, just the amount of balance. I mean, you you take a look at what Jacoby Woods doing. Yeah. You take a look at what Ben Shepard's doing. You take a look at really quietly what Grayson Murphy is doing. And Luke Smith, the addition, with uh, 14.4 points a game. Anytime anyone shuts him down. Last night, uh, Austin B shut him down pretty much. Yeah. That's all right. Caleb Hollander, he'll step up and uh, get 20 points for you. So, uh, And remember, we used to try to think of bad things to say about Grayson Murphy, and the only bad thing we could think to say about him was he couldn't make his free throws. Yeah, he shot. Well, he shut us up. He's hitting 75% at the line now. So now I can't think of anything bad to say about him. Yeah, I guess Grayson Murphy started listening to our podcast. I guess so. He's like, well, those guys, I'm going to shut them up and start making free throws. I'm sure that's the driving force behind his improvement. But uh, every time he every time he steps to the free throw line, first one's for Neil, second one's for Ed. Six two junior, seven point seven rebounds a game. Yeah. Uh, Nick Mazinski, five point four rebounds a game, six eleven. I mean, Murphy's just I, – I still think in college basketball there may not be a more valuable player to his team than Grayson Murphy mm-hmm. in terms of all the things across the board that he does. Like, and I don't want to take anything away from Terry Taylor. We are witnessing greatness. Even last night's game he had – Oh, yeah. Like, Double-double again. Again. Just, just bank it. Yeah. 
legitimately one of the top five players in OVC history, I would say, just based on the fact that he has 2,000 career points, 1,000 career rebounds, yeah. and only five players have done that, and one of them is Popeye Jones. Terry Taylor deserves every accolade he gets. He is a magnificent player who I think has an extremely bright future in the right system. Uh, I firmly believe he belongs in the NBA, but I'll save that for another podcast as well. My point being, if Belmont continues to do what it's doing, Grayson Murphy absolutely belongs in the Ohio Valley Player of the Year conversation. Oh, I agree. I agree. For the racers to uh, to beat Belmont and maybe upset Murphy and keep Belmont from running the table, they they can't have a subpar game. They have no. to be really good defensively. They have to put a half, two halves together like they did at Belmont, like they did in the first half. And it can't be a seven or eight point night from Tevin Brown. Ben Shepard did a great job uh, limiting what Tevin Brown could do, and we have to see the best out of KJ Williams. He has to stay out of foul trouble. He's out of foul trouble. He's he's fantastic player, uh, one of the top five, six, seven players in the OVC. Yeah, but he has to stay out of foul trouble. That's uh, one of the big issues. So they'll need all those things to happen. That might happen. Uh, KJ Thursday night is as good as I've ever seen him. If they could get something similar to that, night in, night out, Brown making shots, the the racers, they're not going to make a run at the top. They're too far behind, but they can make a lot of noise. And they have to get it going. This is the home game, and then they have that four-game brutal road stretch, uh, three states, two time zones, beginning on Monday. Yeah, and that and that that's, that stretch is the makeup of SEMO. Then you have, if I'm not mistaken, Moorhead EKU. Death Valley for the final time in OVC history. Yeah, because you won't have EKU then anymore. SIU Edwards. And yeah, and then you have it. Man, that is a brutal four game stretch. In eight days. Mm hmm. And you hope you can go, man, if you go 4 and 0. Oh, geez. Geez, yeah. Louise. 3 and 1 would be amazing. 3 and, and 1 and would be amazing. It doesn't really matter the games you win, honestly. You just need 3 and 1 to be great. Yeah. You're right. The Racers I would like to, I think, get into that 3 or 4 spot. I'm still having iffy things as to whether it'll be. Uh, a uh, bye tournament, it looks like uh, one versus eight, two versus seven. Very possible. I think that's a good good opportunity that we'll have that by the end of it. Yeah, because you, I, it just depends on if everybody gets their games done. Yeah. And that's the real question. Just don't know if they will, but that, we'll see. But, yeah, so that's, that's what you have. You have Belmont in front of you and then the brutal four-game road stretch. Yeah. And, you, I mean, you gotta, you're going to find out what you're made of. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, how bad do you really want to be a top-four team? Uh, you're, you, I mean, that's what it's going to have to come down to. And who would have thought, but well, at least we're going to talk about it, but who would have thought we were going to talk about this when the season started, that Murray State would have a chance to sweep Belmont, and it wouldn't be the men's program, it would be the women's program, but they have a chance to do that with Belmont coming in on uh, Saturday night, Ed. Uh, Unreal. I, wow. Uh, some ups and downs, yes, but more positives than negatives for Murray State. Uh, th- this is uh, this has really been a, a good stretch, but they need to finish strong if they want to uh, get a better seat in the conference. And a good chance to do that is another win over Belmont. Yeah, so Murray State women's basketball, uh, they did take another tight loss to Austin P, which 74-71. Yeah. Macy Turley had two looks at a, at a game-tying basket. Had an had a, that game was never out of reach for either team. Though. No, it's a great game. It's great. what you expect in a rivalry. Absolutely. And so Austin P won that game seventy four seventy one. Then you get a nice nice win on Thursday night last night against Tennessee State. Murray State women's basketball is eight and eight five and six in the OVC. 
they are right in that OVC mix, though, man. Yeah. They, I mean, they really are. You're really looking at a team that if you can go at least 500 the rest of the way or close to it, you're in the tournament for sure. Um, big news, though, out of Murray State women's basketball, and you knew it would come at some point this year, but it's uh, you know there's a lot of time left. Macy Turley, 1,000-point career scorer. Uh, she had a string that ended last night, actually, of five straight games of 20 points or more. That's the only game they really didn't need her to do that. They did not. and did. Uh, and, and But, I mean, you thought maybe she'd keep it going. Yeah. But still, either, either way, I believe she's like eight games in a row now where she's made at least one three-pointer. Um, Neil, she scored her thousandth career point, a pair of late free throws against Belmont, speaking of Belmont. So now she's, uh, I believe she's at a career of now 1,075 points. She's the 20th player in Murray State women's basketball history to score tw- uh, 1,000 or more points uh, in her career. It's very select company. Some things that I wanted to mention, though, about her this year, because I know more than anything, you and I have talked about, sure, she, she had a little bit of a slow start, you know, coming back from mm-hmm. yeah. you know her knees over the summer. Um, she's averaging career highs in, in field goal percentage. Uh, at 40.6% from three, 38.9, and that's after last night when she went one for eight. You know, she's about a 40% three-point shooter this year. Uh, she is one of the nation's best at the free throw line. She's shooting 94.1%. She's missed four free throws. You know, four. Four. I have more fingers on one hand yeah. than four, that's- which is good. That's, that's good news. She's averaging career high also in points per game at 16.7, and – averaging a career high in the OVC, where she's averaging 19.5 points per game against the OVC. And again, this is a league that knows she's a junior, this is what she does, and she's still getting it done. So I know there's still a lot of time left in the OVC for those numbers to kind of fall back down a little bit, but they might not. Mm-hmm. You know, she looks healthy, she looks confident, she looks stronger. Um, it looks like she's in a lot more rhythm with her teammates currently. Her assist numbers have been going up. Right. And... She's just having a terrific year, really, I think, especially as it starts to matriculate closer to the OVC tournament. She is really turning it on after Christmas, and that's great to see. You're you're probably the team's best player. Yeah, yeah. Alexis Burpo, she's been playing better. uh, But the the bright spots to me is, uh, you know, Caitlin Young, of course, six-time OVC Frenchman of the Week. Right. You you basically pencil her in for 10 or more rebounds. She had, what, was it 13 last night? She had 13 13 last night. Got eight points. Again, everybody played. But Hannah McKay, who had dealt with some issues in terms of health, is uh, I think showed a flash of what she could do, made shots, was really aggressive with her offense. And uh, I think she's going to be maybe a little bit undersold as to what uh, the Racers were getting. But I think she's going to be a really good one. I I really liked what I saw out of her. Another player that actually – we haven't talked a lot about, but probably should be mentioning a little bit more, is Bria Sanders-Woods. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe her shooting percentages aren't as high as she'd like for them to be, but she is getting to the free throw line. Uh, she's, she's hitting 75% of her free throws, yeah. and that's something else I wanted to mention, Neil. In, in OVC play, racers as a team are shooting 79% as a Jeez. team. And I know Macy helps with a lot of that. Yeah. But, like, when Alexis Burpo is shooting 70% from the free throw line, Mana Mensa is shooting, like, 80%, Bria Sanders-Woods, 75%, Lex Mays hasn't missed in, in OVC play. Like, that's good news. Especially, like, when you have, uh, you know, Lacey Hawthorne. She's making, like, seven, 68, 69% of her free throw lines in conference play. 
if you're getting out-rebounded, if you're getting out-hustled in certain other stats, the number one place you know you can make it up is if you can just can your free throws. Mm-hmm. Right now, and I mean, I'll knock on wood for the racers here, if you keep shooting 79% from the free throw line and get there with great regularity, you can make up a lot of different deficiencies uh, in that regard. And, you know, that, that's been one place. I mean, they're out-shooting teams in, the, in conference by 11% yeah. right now, and that is a huge swing of points. And a big reason why you're five and six and right currently in the mix of these close games, these close games. You and I have already talked about, you know, the UT Martin game, Austin P game. You're losing these conference games by three, four possessions at most. And the tough part about it is Tech felt that way too early. Murray State, yeah. Tech, women's basketball, that was a close game early, except Mackenzie Coleman then just exploded. Yeah. You know, because that's what Mackenzie does. You know, that's the one thing I will say that this team probably doesn't have just yet. Is someone to defend, like a six-two, six-three shooter like McKenzie, mm-hmm. Chelsea Perry? Yeah, you know, going off for thirty-four, thirty-six. Like, yes, Chelsea Perry's headed to the WNBA at some point, but that six-two, six-three guard slasher type, I don't know if there's anybody about about the number one defender you could put on them is like an Alexis Burpo, and there's only so much she can do uh, to defend that position. So. You know, still some pieces I'm sure Rochelle's looking for as they move forward, but at that midway point of the season with Belmont up next, and again, a good Belmont team, you go to 500 on Saturday night in the OVC, and you're you're in you're in business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, uh, next week they they don't have the the Death Valley trip. They don't right. have the extra games uh, to make up. They will have already uh, taken care of the rest of this point, but uh, the Death Valley trip they, that's uh, one that. If they're playing well, they could sweep that trip. Yeah, absolutely. They have, they have to play well, but uh, it's not one where they would have to just supersede and play great and frost their fingers and hope to win. If they play well both games, they should win those two. But I know Rochelle's going, shut up, we play Belmont next. So that's the first one they have to worry about is that. But uh, the good news is they have them at home. They know they can beat them because they have done so. Uh, need to continue to play well, get to that free throw line, uh, maybe get the other team in some foul trouble, and uh, I think they'll have their shot. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. want to pivot a little bit here to three former racers, the first one being John Morant. Obviously, you know, news has already come out that he's part of the Olympic pool for the 2021 yeah. Olympics. Well, previously the 2020 Olympics, but in Tokyo, uh, unless that changes too. Who knows? And right now it looks like there's a possibility it could. Right. But for John Morant, former racer and current Memphis Grizzlies point guard, uh, looks like they're about to resume play. They're back in practice, and, and they're about to resume their games. They've been on a four- to five-game hiatus uh, due to COVID concerns and, and contact tracing and whatnot. I haven't seen any cases that have come out of Memphis saying, hey, this is this is who had it. But contact tracing sidelined them for the last 10 days. Um, but for Ja to be one of 60 players who will be a part of this Olympic pool is essentially saying he's one of the top 60 players in the, in the world. That's what it says. And based on what I've seen, I haven't seen, well, all the players in the world, I can't say that, but yeah. based on what I know, it's probably right. Hard to argue. It is hard to argue. You can at least make the argument that he is. They will cut the list to 12 later. But, hey, I mean, his number's 12. He's got to be the 12th, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's how that works, right? That's how that – I mean, if he's 12, he's got to mm-hmm. be in the 12. No. I, I Does he make the cut? I don't know. They're going to have to make a lot of decisions as you get closer to the Olympics. You like, can only take 12 players. Yeah, really? They'll cut it for the Olympics. They'll cut it to twelve. Really? I would figure 
14 or 15. So. There there will be there will be some reserves that I think are in the in the mix of things and they oh, okay. may make it 15, but it's it's like 12 for the, like the official roster. All right, I got you. So, it'll be it, now the interesting part about it will be a lot of it'll come down to who's in the playoffs. And if Memphis makes the playoffs, and I say that's a big if, but I mean they're 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 exceeding expectations as we as we speak at the moment at eight. I believe they're eight and seven. Hadn't lost a game this week. No, <laughs> nice. Uh, but they just you know they're they're playing to win. They want to make the playoffs again. Yeah. So you know, and you've got teams like the Pelicans that were expected to make the playoffs, and right now they're five and ten. So you just don't know where the Western Conference will shake up at this point. But you know, if Morant's in the playoffs, he'll have to make a decision: Do I want to put more? Olympic stress on my body, and all the stars will have to do that. The Olympic pool is massive, deep, as expected. So, really interested to see where that goes. But just for him to be in the Olympic pool is just another notch in his career. Um, they're actually not doing tryouts. The committee will decide okay. who the roster needs to be. All I'm right. pretty sure they're not doing tryouts because but, of COVID. So, and also, they're base the tryouts are basically the NBA games. I mean, well, that's true. Kind of see what they can do. Yeah, like oh, let's scout this out. Oh, yeah, we know what LeBron James yeah. can do. You know, what, would I love to see LeBron James t- catch an alley oops from John Morant uh, for a gold medal? Yeah, I'd be all right with that. I'd be, open. but I mean, look at the number of point guards the NBA has to choose from. Yeah. I mean, you've got Damian Lillard, you've got, oh my gosh, I, uh, Chris Paul. I mean, these yeah. guys have already won gold medals. There so. won't be a stinker team they put out there. No, no matter who they choose. And if Morant doesn't make it. It's going to be hard pressed for people to even argue because they've got such a great yeah. Depth oh, you of went with Lillard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. believe you went with Damian Lillard. Yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah. Uh, why'd you go with Steph Curry? Like, well, this is why we went with okay. Steph Curry. Like, because he's come back and he's you know putting together an MVP season early in this in this twenty twenty one campaign. And if John doesn't doesn't make it this year, he's gonna make it at some point. He just may not make it. This year. Well, it'd be amazing if he made it four years from now it for those be. Summer Olympics because yeah. he'd be in line for his first major contract. Yeah, and who knows where he is career wise four years from now? Well, maybe he could. I don't know. I don't follow this a lot. Maybe what about the Winter Olympics? Can he make those? What about that? Is that? <laughs> is that I mean, he could definitely do. I could see him as a bobsled. I don't. I don't know. I don't know enough about how the Olympics work. Well, they don't have winter basketball. They don't. Well, that's, that's not good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, they, they he can make start the, that. He can make the luge. That's right. You know. Oh, so they just have this every four years. So it's like soccer then. Yeah. Because they they only play every four years. Or 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 elections in the United States for okay. for the for the lead office in the land. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Could you imagine if we had to go through elections every year? That would be awful. National. So I'm all right with that. Let's keep that the way it is. Yeah. Let's, that, that one's yeah. good. Okay. I like that. We'll, we'll we'll keep that one. So I'm excited to see where the Morant situation goes. Yeah, with, me too. With the uh, with the Olympic pool, the other two former racers headed uh, to some some green pastures. Shad Buchanan, Darnell Coart, uh, are headed to the Disney Bubble as they jumpstart the G League Memphis Hustle. How the about G League, that? yeah, the G League Memphis Hustle will be one of 18 teams, along with the uh, I believe the G League uh, Ignite which is like an invitation mm-hmm. team where they've got some younger guys that are playing on basically on small contracts that should bounce them to the NBA at some point. Really, really talented uh, young team led by, I believe, Jalen Green, uh, who famously uh, surpassed uh, college eligibility for a contract in the G League. Uh, just skipped it all together. Okay. Young, young kid that's super talented. Was expected to commit to a big time, you know, Division One men's basketball program, and just said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to the G League. Screw okay. it. I'm not going to college basketball." So, so that's going to be an exciting situation for Shaq and Darnell. 
Darnell is technically like the local walk-on for the Memphis Hustle. He's he's one of eleven guys mm-hmm. uh, that's on the team, and then Shaq is one of two players uh, that actually played for the G League Hustle last year. Uh, played in thirty-three games, started eleven, shot roughly forty-seven, forty-eight percent from the field, uh, averaged about 11, 12 points per game, four and a half rebounds. Also, Neil shot thirty-seven and a half percent from three. It's good. That's the guy you want taking that <laughs> I, shot. I Neil. knew that was coming. Yeah, you were. <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> Dead gummit. He'll yeah. never. He'll never let me forget it. No. No. Ever. So, well, we say that because his junior year at Murray State, the three pointer wasn't falling for him. You know, it was probably yeah. the one shot in his arsenal that just would not fall. Yeah. Then you get to the OVC tournament, and it started falling. It did. And then you get into the next season. And, and he it, could make them. And he could make them. Yeah. And then he bagged two of the biggest ones against Jacksonville State in the semifinals to give the Racers a lead. Uh, the third big three was Javion Eves in the left corner. I'll never forget that one. That because 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 I was like I we, we to explain to our listeners we sit baseline on at the Ford Center mm-hmm. and we saw I saw him in the other corner and Ja just whipped a pass to that corner that. You know that I mean that, that Jacksonville State was not prepared for, and that kept them just above water. JSU ties it, Ja wins it, JSU gets a three at the end to to win it and misses it. So that's one of the games I'll just never forget, mm-hmm. just because Magic Johnson was there, Larry Fitzgerald was there, all these different personalities were there to see this game. You know, before they bounced out, you know, to head elsewhere because everybody knew Ja was about to get drafted. So, yeah, crazy situation there uh, for Shaq and Darnell. Really excited to see. And those games are actually going to be streamed by Grind City Media. Nice. Uh, and then two of them will be on ESPN2. Uh, two of the middle, the Santa Cruz Warriors and the G League Ignite, actually. Okay. Uh, so that's, you know, really good, you know, for, for, for local fans who kind of want to see Shaq and Darnell and see what they yeah. do. Yeah, they, so, they've always been favorites and – uh, I know we were all saddened that Darnell, because of his injury, yeah. uh, his season really cut short last year, and you know he would have made a difference, but uh, it just wasn't healthy. Yeah, uh, those those eight games that he tried to play gave it a good go, but it just didn't come out uh, favorably for him. And I think the tough part too is you thought maybe he'd get <clears throat> another year of eligibility, um, but it just didn't happen. Like I mean, should have waited a year. Yeah. Oh yeah, because then this year it just would have been free. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, that's why I keep trying to tell fans, not even Murray State fans, but just anyone in general, I'm glad they're playing college basketball, but this whole year is free. And if I'm a kid, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't how much How much energy do I actually have if things aren't going well? Well, on the other side of this, let's say you're a senior trying to get onto a team. How is this going to plug up the opportunities you were hoping to have? Mm-hmm. And it, it is going to plug it up for some people. It it'll will. Dro- it'll drop them maybe from a division 1 to a division 2 or something like that yep. uh, at least uh, some of them we we i see there's a con- uh, th- there is a considerable logjam of talent for the next 2 to 3 years at least yeah yeah it'll yeah. it'll have a little bit of a ripple effect beyond next year yeah absolutely I want to close up our show by stating a couple of things really quick here first and foremost uh, I, from an from an uh, from a employment standpoint i'm not necessarily sure where i stand moving forward i know that my professional career i will continue to look for opportunities far and wide uh near murray around murray uh and anywhere else you know the good lord can take me but um i've had a lot of people quietly ask me to either open up a tip jar or you know create some sort of funding stream 
so that guys like you and I can continue this podcast and so I can further explore maybe, you know, a personal website, which I'm trying to continue to develop and things like that. So over the past week, I, I quietly did that. Um, I opened up a, a very optional subscription rate to our podcast here with For Those Who Inquired. Uh, and again, completely optional. This website is, is going to be free to people. This podcast and whoever else I invite on it later on is going to be free to people. I don't ever want anyone to think that there is an obligatory cost here. But you will notice uh, at the beginning of this podcast, there was a uh, an advertisement from Anchor. And, and I want to thank Anchor for allowing podcasters around the world to make this a very easy, usable thing. Oh, it is. I, I did it and... I don't have a ton of experience in these things. If I can do it, anyone can. So if you ever wanted to have a podcast, Anchor's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And they, they've just updated some things that they do that I think's made it better. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great. And uh, they allow you to monetize it or not. You yeah. can just upload stuff. And the thing is, the more narrow your mind is in terms of some sort of, well, who cares about collections of Dungeons & Dragon characters? I guarantee you somebody does and do a podcast, make a podcast it. on it or yeah. anything like that. I like collecting roses. There you go. I yeah. promise somebody. The more narrow it is, the better it is. Yeah. Flowers? Yeah, maybe not. But narrow it down, boom, you got something. Yeah, find a, find a niche. There you get that really exactly. that fits. And for me, for, for, for guys like you and I and, and other people that I am hoping to interview in the future, I, I had less time to do that when I was in. Oh, of course. By Paxton Media. Yeah. I, I have a little bit more time now to explore open conversations and opportunities with other individuals that I hope will be connected to either the Ohio Valley Conference or First Region Athletics. Right. We haven't talked a lot of high school sports in this particular episode of the podcast, but there's more coming. You know, we've got a lot of high school sports coming uh, our way that'll be really, really positive. Wanted to give a quick shout out to Sebastian Lawrence, Murray High defensive tackle. Speaking of that, that committed to the Ohio Valley Conference in Eastern Illinois. Uh, he, Congratulations! He is joining the Panthers. He uh, obviously has never visited there on a windy December day. That's all right because that's the way he. <laughs> if he had, <laughs> he'll be playing in the cold. He wouldn't for sure. have committed there. Yeah, but, uh, but that, that's a nice area up there. Good folks and good football. Congratulations! Team. They're, they're they're in the middle of uh, of of definitely bouncing back, and looks like the Ohio Valley Conference will be open, but. You know, back to our, you know, subscription rate. It's very, very, you know, if you choose to subscribe, uh, that's great. If you don't, don't worry about it at all. Uh, we appreciate any and all of our, you know, our, our selective listeners. Uh, it's just a situation where I knew that, you know, if I advertised with Anchor, which I have so done, as you heard at the beginning of this podcast, and have opened up subscription rates, uh, it's one of those things where I think I can continue to build my website slowly but surely. Uh, I don't want to charge for my website, and I don't want to charge for my podcast, but if you choose to subscribe, uh, you definitely become a patron, and it's certainly appreciated. We do have three new subscribers. One of them uh, is my mother, so I appreciate that. that. I know, right? Uh, uh, Lucinda Hughes-Gray from Princeton, Kentucky, and Stephanie Butler. Uh, you know, my, uh, my, my BFF, my, my homie. So I appreciate, uh, our first three subscribers. Uh, thanks mom. I really appreciate it. Uh, love so we you, have a butler. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. We finally have a butler. I would like a couple of drinks after the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, Stephanie Butler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, not the butler. Oh, all right. And we also don't have the dishwasher. She's out of town for this week. Okay. So no dishwasher. Uh, if you are interested in, in monetizing options and, and just even remotely subscribing, 
Uh, I'm not going to do anything through the WordPress. I want to do it through Anchor. It's anchor.fm backslash FTW for those who and inquired. I-N-Q-U-I-R-E-D. Neil? Is that it? That's it, man. I say that's it. We've got a lot (laughs) coming up in the next few weeks. Well, you do. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. Appreciate it.